This is Inside Firetown. Welcome to the Inside Firetown podcast. I'm your host, Mike DeMars. And today's guest played on the Providence College men's basketball team and is a member of the Providence College Athletics Hall of Fame, Jamel Thomas. Jamel, you grew up in Brooklyn. How old were you when you first started playing basketball? Well, I was I was 13 years old. Uh, my mentor, he, uh, his name is Mr. Lou. He pulled me over from the basketball court. I was playing baseball actually by myself, just hitting the ball. And he said, hey, Holmes, like, what you want to do, play basketball or baseball? I was just a confused kid at the time, didn't have no direction. And I shrugged my shoulders and said, I don't know. And he said, all right, all right, come to the basketball court and let me show you some drills. And ever since then, I started playing basketball. Other than baseball, did you play any other sports growing up? No, baseball, I used to love baseball. I was in love with the uh, the 86 Mets, you know, with Darryl Strawberry, Doc Gooden, Mookie Wilson, uh, Gary Carter, Howard Johnson. I mean, that was my team. I was, I was a huge baseball fan growing up, and, I, and that's the only sport I played besides uh, basketball. Why did you choose to attend Providence College? I had a lot of offers. I had a lot of offers at the time, and a lot of schools wanted a package deal for me and my cousin Stephon Marbury to go to school together. You know, schools like Georgia Tech and Syracuse, and um, Stephon's dad was like, you know, it's, it's time to get out of Stephon's shadow, and you need to go do your own thing. So then the recruitment process started happening, and uh, I had a bunch of schools recruiting me from, like, Clemson, uh, uh, Miami, a, a lot of Big East schools, and it came down to Rutgers and Providence College. I didn't go on too many visits at the time. I just went to Rutgers because it was right there, uh, like an hour, hour and a half away from Brooklyn. And uh, a lot of people don't know, I, I have uh, a Jewish couple that raised me. So I was in a Jewish home since I was 15 years old. And I went on a visit, and I had a ball. I had a great, great time. and. I think at the time, Charles Jones from Brooklyn was my host. So he was showing me around the town, and I went to a party and everything. I had a great time. I was not interested in the basketball, the athletics there <laughs> at the time. My mom said, so how you like the visit? I said, I had a great time. She was like, okay, I'm glad you had a great time. All right, now I'm going to take a visit to uh, Providence College. So I went to Providence College on a visit. Jason Murdoch was my host. It was probably the, the most boringest time I ever had in my life. And when I went home, I told my mom, I was like, she was like, how was the visit? I said, uh, oh, it was just born. It was nothing to do. I, I, I don't think I like it. So she said, well, that's the school you're going to go to so you can focus. And um, I just followed her lead. And um, look where I'm at today. It worked out. And did you fall in love with Providence College and the community after you got to school there? Of course I did. It's just that, you know, from 18 to 22 years old, you, you become a man, you mature. Like, it was a great atmosphere. It was, it was a, you know, a culture shock. At the time, because, you know, I wasn't on the campus during the recruitment process. I think I came there during, like, a holiday when it was just practices. I mean, I, I learned a lot from the school. I wasn't, you know, close with a lot of students there, but I do have a lot of friends that I keep in contact to this day that we lived in the same dorm room on the same floor. So, I mean, it, it was a great experience. It was a really great experience. And from then until now... Like, I love the school. I, I love how it changed. I love how it grew. I'm, you know, forever going to be a Friar. Friar fans remember you hitting the game, tying three against Arizona in the Elite Eight of the 1997 NCAA tournament. What do you remember from that play? I mean, uh, I think Ruben got the block. And at the end, you know, I, I kind of set up, wasn't it, Mal Simon? Yeah, Mal Simon. Just to let him beat me. And then Ruben had my back and he blocked the shot. I know Corey, Corey and Sham always, they they always looking for me like when I'm spotting them shooting. So I just 
just went to my spot, my sweet spot. I, I, I love the corner threes, and Corey drove down the middle and just passed me the ball, and uh, I knew it was money. I knew it was money. It was it was a spirit going through me and going through the whole team during the tournament. Uh, it was just it was a great feeling. Uh, just like Michael Jordan said in the last uh, the last dance when he hit that shot, he changed from. Mike to Michael Jordan. I, I changed from 530 to Jamel Thomas. <laughs> I asked God, Sham God, the same question, but how would you drop the final play in regulation against Arizona in the Elite Eight and who takes the final shot? To be honest, who takes the final shot? I would have, at that time, I would have broke a play for Dirk Brown because he was the most aggressive out of all of us as far as getting to the basket and getting fouled. I would have definitely drew up the play for Dirk Brown. I don't I don't know if he would have passed the ball like like if he either got double team or triple team. He was so good at forcing the action and he would have he would have made something happen at the time. Coach Pete Gillen left after your junior year. Talk about having to make the transition to a new coach in Tim Welsh. Tim was like a city guy. He was just like he was he was young, he was energetic. Uh he came to the press conference, you know, he spoke he spoke about like, you know, what he was gonna do as a coach, uh like as far as like pressing and we, we're going to get up on other teams and stuff like that. And, and I was impressed with that. You know, Coach Yellen did that a lot only when Corey, Corey Wright got in the game. You know, when he went like uh, four guards in, in the big, like with Ruben, Coach Wall pulled, pulled me aside and said, Jamel, this is what we're going to do, X, Y, and Z. And I just fell in love with him right then and there. Like, I always was waiting for my turn, you know, so I can be the leader, the focus of the team. You know, I've been trying to do that for a long time. And, and he came in and, and he just made it clear. Um, that was probably the best transition that probably could have possibly happened for me. What was your most memorable game as a Friar? I have two memorable games. My first Big East game as a freshman, we played against Syracuse. I was nervous, had a little butterflies, and I scored zero points. It was a huge learning lesson for me at the time. And uh, I appreciated that experience because uh, I went back and watched film and I understood what I had to do. You know, I just had to relax a little bit more and, and that was it. Just had to relax. I was just too kind of nervous and too hyped and I just wanted everything to happen. But as, as far as like my most memorable like game, I would have to say at Villanova, obviously, when I scored 38 in overtime over there. Like one of the fans, when we were coming out, he had said something like in a negative sense to me and it really kind of like pissed me off. So it had me kind of locked in in the game. Like, I was really locked in and focused that game. And I appreciate what the fans said. I, I won't mention or say what he said at the time, but it was it was, it was real disrespectful, and it, and it had me real frustrated. And sometimes when I'm when I'm frustrated, I play my best game. So, yes, the Villanova game at Villanova my senior year. Do you still keep in touch with your teammates? Yes, of course. Surprisingly, I, I keep in contact with, like, maybe everybody through social media, even, like, Pete Zabilski. <laughs> like, Pete Sabilski is my friend on Facebook, and we, and you know, we we talk like once a year. Uh, you know, Austin. You know, we, we're Twitter friends. Uh, but as far as like who I see on the regular, obviously the people that's close to my neighborhood, like you know, Jason Murdoch. You know, I see Sham when he comes in town. When I go to Providence, I see Corey. I got a lot of friends out in Rhode Island. I got extended family out there. Like I, I go back to Rhode Island at least two, three times a year. I'm I'm friends with everybody. I, I'm friends with the coaches. You know, Coach Mike Malone. He's he's with the Denver Nuggets right now. Uh, Coach Gonzo, uh, Keith Gillen. You know, he 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 writes my my parents uh, every year during the holidays. Uh, oh, Tim Welsh, obviously Tim Welsh. Yeah, I, speak, I keep in contact with Tim Welsh uh, and even um, Bob Welsh. So 
Like, I, you know, I tell my kids all the time because I'm a mentor and trainer. You know, I say, you know, try to keep in contact with most people as possible because you you never know who you're going to need in life or who's going to help you. So, I, you know, I try my best not to burn any bridges. After finishing your career in Providence, you were not selected in the NBA draft, but you still made it to the NBA. Tell us how you went about making it into the league. Well, you know, just like I explained to you um, about the Villanova game, you know, I, I, I play my best when I'm, when I'm, like, upset or when I'm pissed off. So me not getting drafted and yes, my energy was real low the, the whole night of the draft and even the morning of the draft. And the most inspiring words came from my mother. And then she said, you know, let's go, Jamel, you got to get up, you know, and don't stop right here. You got to keep moving forward. When, and when she said that, I just got out the bed and I just started training like my butt off. Like I started running the beach, running the stairs, doing a bunch of calisthenics. You know, I was doing drills by myself on the basketball court like I used to do at Providence, you know, when nobody was in the gym, when I used to sneak in the gym. I just maintained a focus and a dedication that helped me, you know, get that breakthrough to actually, you know, play on the NBA court. You know, I just, it was it was just something in me that I had to do and, and I've done it. Sometimes when one door closes, a lot opens up, so, and that's how I looked at it. And not only did you play in the NBA, but you also played overseas. What did you learn from that experience? But what's going on today in this world, for you know the Black Lives Matter movement and you know the the racial world that we're going we're going through right now, going overseas made me feel like there was no such thing as race. If you're born in Italy and you're African, they don't call you African Italian; they call you Italian. So that was my first experience, and and I really enjoyed it. It was like a real family atmosphere. I mean, it was probably the best experience of my life, like my first year going to Europe, and that's that's what I really learned over there. The basketball, playing the basketball was pretty simple, pretty pretty easy. You know, they, they had college three-point lines. Uh, the court wasn't as long as the NBA court. Um, you know, it was, it was a lot more practicing than playing, you know, actual games, unless you're playing in the EuroLeague. And I didn't play in the EuroLeague my first year, but maybe like the second and third year I played in the EuroLeague. But uh, as far as what I've learned over there, that is no such thing as race. Like everybody love you or like you for who you are and what you are. You had a number of relatives that played basketball at a high level. You already mentioned Stephon Marbury. How much of an impact did that have on your career and their careers? You know, uh, Steph and I, we grew up together. We, he's kind of the guy that, like, I kind of follow playing basketball, even though I'm older than him. But he was the one that was focused. He had the brothers that telling him, you know, what to do and how to go about things. So he was, you know, giving some of that energy towards me. There was times when I used to be on the street at 15 years old, coming to the house like 5.30 in the morning. That's where I get the name from. And he'll wake me up around like 8.30, call me out the window. Hey, 5.30, we got a game. We got a game. Like, you know, come get me out the bed and, you know, push me to play um, in tournaments in the summer. And when he got to college, like, we used to feed off each other. Like, he, he'll score 15 in one game. Like, I'm going back the next game. I'm trying to go get 15. He scored 20. I'm trying to go get 20. So that, that's how our energy flowed at the time. And even when he, he was in the NBA, like he would get 27, like I'll come down like the next game. I remember we played uh, Notre Dame at home. Steph, I think he had like, he scored 30 in one game. I came back the next game and I, I scored 27 against uh, Notre Dame. So it was that type of energy. Like we kind of fed off each other. As far as like my experiences playing, you know, obviously high school, college and, and professional level, it definitely helped my little brothers, you know, especially Sebastian Telfair uh, with his career because whatever mistake I made in my life, 
I made sure that it won't happen to him. When I first got to college, I, w- I wasn't the guy just walking around smelling a lot, but I made sure that he smelled, even though his situation was different. He went from high school to the NBA, and I went to college. So I was working on his image to make sure that whatever mistakes I made, it won't happen to you. And then that also happened to my, my youngest brother, Ethan Telfair, who went to uh, Idaho State, and which he, he, he led his conference in scoring. He was, he was a beast. And, um, you know, that's, we, we just feed off each other. Like, basketball is just in our genes, and it's something I, I guess we can do with our eyes closed. You were inducted into the Providence College Athletics Hall of Fame in 2019. What did that mean to you? I speak to my wife all the time about a lot of stuff, like a lot of things as far as what I do for kids and what a lot of people have done for me, like my mentor, the Providence. Uh, you know, I had a lady at Providence uh, College. Her name was Marion Amaral. She she took me under her wing and she helped mold and shape me become a good student athlete. When I got the call, I got the call from Steve and Harold and they gave me the news over the phone and I got really emotional because it, it just feels good to be appreciated for all the work you have done. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I think I'm like one of the prize that's most forgotten about. But uh, but when it happened, I, I was really appreciative. I was like, there is a God. Thank you, God. I told my parents and we all just we got ready. We got prepared. And uh, my best friend, my, my wife and my son, and it just meant so much. And then my son was able to see it, you know, his name up there because he's, he's named after me. Uh, it was a real special moment for me. Thank you, Providence College. Thank you. You recently launched Jamel, an athleisure apparel brand. What made you want to get into the clothing business? I was always like a stylist, you know, in high school or even my younger days uh, in college, like. I used to tell my cousin Steph, like, how to dress, like, hey, now nah, you can't wear that. You got to wear this. You got to wear Tommy Hilfiger underwear with Calvin Klein t-shirt and Timberlands in the summer and Jabot pants. Like, we had, like, a different, unique style. And, and when I when I got to Providence College, you know, Corey Wright and Shamgard, you know, they're from Harlem. So they, they wear a lot of Air Force Ones. I was like, nah, y'all got to get some Air Max. Y'all got to get some 95 Air Max. So I, t- like, you know, tell people what to wear and how to wear things. And I had my own style. Like, you know, a lot of people don't know that uh, my freshman year coach tried to change how I dress to go to the games. I would have been like Kyle Kuzma now today if I was playing today the way I was dressing. But I got sat down for like a game because we got into a heated argument because how he wanted me to dress. He wanted me to dress with a, uh, like a blazer and, and dress pants and stuff like that. I was, you know, we got into this heated argument. I was like, you didn't recruit me like that. You didn't say that in a recruitment process that I have to wear a blazer. I have to dress like this. Like, I wanted to be me. And, and so when I dress comfortable the way I feel, I play better. That's that's how I feel personally. Maybe everybody don't feel like that, but that's how I feel. But I've always been into fashion, and I love fashion. This line, I've been working on it for the past two years, and... You know, when my when my mom passed, I just I just said I have to you know push the brand for her because uh kind of hurt me that you know she's not here and um, I just remember her words you know Jamal you got to move forward that's why I decided to launch now. The brand is also giving back as a portion of all proceeds is being donated to charities that support orphans and underprivileged children. Why is it important to you to have this brand help children? Well, I know it's important because one time I spoke to a hedge fund manager and. He knew my story. Like, a lot of people don't know my story. Like, my biological mother was murdered when I was uh, four years old, you know, by her boyfriend. 
and my aunt who became my mom took me in when I was four and I was an orphan. I was off so I gave him a little bit of my story and he said statistically you're less than one percent that's supposed to be successful. Everybody else in your situation that lost their parents to gun violence or even never met their father is either literally dead or in jail. The reason why I wanna donate proceeds to orphans is because they need to see somebody like myself that went through a struggle that they're going through that became successful and became a good person just because somebody hurt me so bad that doesn't mean that I have to hurt them back. I just have to keep doing good, listening to people that really want to help me and move forward. And that's the most important thing. What my logo means is the, the older man helping the younger boy is giving that younger boy hope. Like, can you imagine your man telling your younger self, you're 35 years old, say, to that four-year-old kid that lost his mom, never met his dad, that everything is going to be okay. I got your back. And that's what the logo is all about. And that's what my brand is all about. It's about hope and helping the next generation so they can move forward, especially the ones that's in the struggle. Where can Friar fans check out your clothing line online? Yes, they can go to jamelny.com. They can go to the website or they can follow my Instagram page at jamelny or jamel530. And the same is for Twitter, jamel530. You know, I'm looking for the support. Uh, I already got a, you know, big donation from, you know, he didn't want me to say his name, uh, from a Friar fan back in Rhode Island. So we're going to do something in, in July, you know, with some kids and we're going to see how that event goes. You know, we for sure let you guys know how it goes. In addition to your newest venture, you've done some unique things outside of basketball. Can you share those experiences with the Friar fans? Right now, I'm doing a Jamel show on my Instagram live on Mondays at 530. How ironic is that? The show is about me mentoring kids through basketball. So I've mentored so many kids and helped them become college athletes or even good students and graduate college. The most important thing, just to get that ticket. That's the most important piece of paper and like people probably have is that college degree. So I talk about how I helped two, you know, African American kids back in New York. I helped one of them graduate from Yale University. One right now is in Harvard playing basketball. I have another kid, I can say his name, uh, his name is Wolfgang Novogratz. He come from a well-off family, like well-off. And the parents, his parents, uh, his mom and dad allowed me to be his mentor and or slash big brother and help him become successful in general. So he, he this one of my hardest working kids used to work out at 5.30 in the morning before school. And he went to a prestige high school, Poly Prep, back in Brooklyn. Worked out before school and worked out after school. So through all that hard work, he decided, even though he had offers to go to UNLV, University of Nevada, Wichita State, he decided to become an actor, which he's a very successful actor right now. He just just came out with a uh, movie a couple weeks ago. So he's doing well. I have another kid that in high school, which I'm going to have him on my show next Monday. He had some type of cancer, like a blood cancer, that he just, he overcame. And he's in college at University of California. I got other kids that went to B2 schools. I have another kid that went to Swarthmore College down in Pennsylvania. I do a lot. By myself, but with a lot of help from other people, obviously, to help me like place these kids in the in the right place and 
you know, help them steer them in the right direction. And finally, what's the best part about being a friar? To be honest, when I left the school, I thought the school was happy that I was gone. I always felt like that because it was kind of, it was, it was some wars that I was having in there was, that people don't understand. Yeah, not just with the coach, like with, even with Father Smith, but um, the people that are there now, like with, with Bob and Steve and Harold and Coach Cooley and the tradition, they just made it even more rich and made it more welcoming for the alumni to come back. And the world is black and white. That's a true fr- definition of a friar is black and white. That's like the best thing about the, you know being a friar. Thanks for listening to this bonus edition of the Inside Friar Town podcast. Please download, like, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app. And as always, go Friars! <laughs>